Welcome to She Succeeds, a podcast where I have conversations with female leaders about their successes in business, politics, and more. I'm your host, Meredith Fondren, and I'm so excited for us to meet and learn about successful women who make an impact. Hi, everyone. Today I have Bobby Kilberg here with me. Ms. Kilberg was the CEO of the Northern Virginia Technology Council for 22 years and grew the organization to about 1,000 companies, universities, foreign embassies, government agencies, and more. The regional employees of the companies who were members numbered about 350,000. Additionally, at 31, she was the associate counsel to President Ford, and at 45, deputy assistant to President George Herbert Walker Bush. Good afternoon, Mrs. Kilberg. How are you? I'm just great, Meredith. Thanks for having me. How would you define success? Well, Meredith, each person has to define success for herself or himself. But for me, it would be having fulfilled the mission I had set for myself, having made a difference in the life of of my community, being pleased with what I've accomplished, and most importantly, having helped people. Talk to me about your journey to success. Well, everyone takes their own paths, I think. Mine was not rigidly planned by any means. I was educated and prepared, and I was the beneficiary of some wonderful opportunities. But frankly, there was a lot of luck and being at the right place at the right time involved. Mentors were very important. And mine, interestingly, for this program were mostly men because it was a very long time ago and there were not that many women in those positions. And if you want me to talk about my different mentors, I certainly can. But I think the, my, my most important mentor actually was when I first started work after Yale Law School uh, when I was a White House fellow. And that was John Ehrlichman, who you were too young to remember but who was uh, head of domestic policy for President Nixon uh, before Watergate um, brought the whole thing down. And he was someone who not only looked after me, but insisted, absolutely insisted that I be treated as an equal member of his staff. And back in those days, again, there wasn't any email. And when he told me to you know, get a cabinet member on the line, I would call cabinet member X and I couldn't get past their receptionist. I mean, she would not put me through the, on the phone because I was a woman and I sounded young because I was. And the assumption was it was somebody trying to bother the cabinet secretary and that I was not a legitimate person who should be talking to him. So John actually had a send of an official White House document stating that Bobby Kilberg was a White House fellow and, an, and a staff assistant to the president and that when she called, Cabinet, the cabinet member needed to take that phone call because it was important. Now, you know, how many guys back in 1969 would have done that, but he certainly did. And then President Bush 41, George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, had been my mentor since, my goodness, about 1970. And when we got to the White House in 1989, he, you know, on January 20th, but before that, he called me up and he said, come over to the office, he was vice president at the time. I have a job I want you to do. So I went over to the office and he said, I want you to be assistant to the president. And what that meant was that you dealt with all the interest groups in the country. 
And that was a huge job. And I looked at him and I said, Mr. Vice President, I have five kids. I have five kids and, and I, I cannot imagine how I could possibly do that and still be a good mom. And he said, I'm gonna make this work for you. Number one, he said, what's important is your contact, your content, and you have both of those. He said, number two, you don't have to come to the senior staff meetings in the morning. They were at 7.30 in the morning. And I said to myself, if I'm not at the senior staff meetings, how am I be part of the senior staff? And he looked at the chain on the secret. He said, I've been vice president for eight years. And let me tell you, nothing happens of any note or worth in the senior staff meeting. They're really just um, you know, show and tell for each of the, of the parts of the White House to let everybody else know what they're doing and make them, he said, so you can send your deputy to the senior staff meetings. Show up once, to, but other than that, you can send your, 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 mem, your, your, he says the real senior staff meeting is just me, the head of the National Security Council and the head of the Domestic Policy Council and the vice president, and you wouldn't have been invited to that anyway. So I said, okay. Number two, he said, I know how important to young moms, or even, you know, he said, but to young moms, which you are, he said, so, so I am not going to require you to come in and work on the weekends. And again, that was an extraordinary statement because we were just beginning to have cell phones and stick like footballs. I mean, they were huge and humongous. They weren't something you just stuck it. He said, we will leave you alone on the weekends. And to his word, six times over four years that I got a phone call, a landline phone call that said, you need to come in, we need you. And then thirdly, he said, I'm not gonna require that you travel around the world with me on Air Force One. <laughs> and most people would have said, but I wanna travel around the world on Air Force One. But my response was wonderful. I will try to make it, can get home every evening to be with your children he said now that what that meant was that again it was the most popular employer in the white house because i sent my staff to paris and to rome to los angeles where did i go i went to peoria because illinois because i could get back the same night so he did all those things to try to make it workable for me Wow, that's really incredible that your mentor allowed you to grow in your career space and in the White House while you still were able to take care of your family and fully grow not only in your own career, but just in your life in general. That's really amazing. Pivoting from that, did you set goals during your career? Um, sort of, but my goals were... Um were not substantive goals as much as they were philosophical goals. And those were follow your heart as well as your head. Because yourself, that's the best goal you possibly can have. And everything else will fall into place. If you're doing something you're not comfortable about, but you think I ought to do it or so-and-so expects me to do it, but somewhere deep in you, you have this instinct that says, uh-uh, then don't do it. So my goal is hard as well as your head. Mm, that's definitely important. I think a lot of people today think about listening to others and others' advice, but a lot of times your, your inner direction is what's more important. Throughout yeah. your career, what were some of your success habits? Well, my habits were 
A, num- a number fold. Uh, number one, I worked very, very hard, but I, I was in a concentrated fashion in that I wasn't the first one in the office and the last one to go home because I had five kids. I was there, I was focused, and I was concentrated. I took everyone on my staff and everyone that I interacted with seriously. I showed them respect. And if you show people respect, I go back again to George Herbert Walker Bush, President Bush. If you include people in the process on the way in and listen to what they have to say and take it seriously, then once you've made a decision, uh, even if they oppose you, they are less likely to oppose you in a, um, what's the word, Um, nasty or disrespectful manner because you have them in the way out and the way in they're more likely to to understand the disagreement and can move forward and i sure as heck think that the government could learn a lot from that today because that does not happen today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what are some skills that you developed that you think every leader should have <clears throat> listen listen and listen and once you listen and listen and listen, again, going back to what uh, President Bush 41 said, then you can lead with, can you have all the facts? You know you have all the opinion, well-meaning people, and then you can make the decision you need to make. Mm, definitely. I think listening is totally important, and if you don't listen, you can't, you can't learn new things. Yep. Can you tell me something you regret or a hard decision that you had to make as the CEO of NVTC? So unfortunately, right now when we were recording, Miss Kilberg actually cut out because we were recording on Zoom. So basically what she was saying in these few sentences was that as the CEO of NVTC, she had to make a lot of quick decisions. And because the Northern Virginia Technology Council was in Virginia and she was working with Senator Warner, she gives an example of when Senator Warner asked her to make a quick decision um, that she had to make like in the middle of the night. So I'll let Miss Kilberg take the story from here. Senator Warner woke me up one night at midnight with a phone call, and he had a habit of doing that. But but this time, he woke me up at midnight with a phone call because he had something on his mind, which is why he would normally call it. Bobby, did you read the Washington Post this morning? And I said, actually, no, I hadn't had time. He said, well, get up and read it, because it turns out that Arlington National Cemetery... To clarify right here, she said Arlington National Cemetery is keeping its records in shoeboxes. And I said, in shoeboxes? He says, yes, in shoeboxes. They're keeping their records in shoeboxes. Their IT system is a mess. They hired a contractor to fix the IT system, and he or that company did not do it properly. And when somebody dies and the funeral home calls Arlington National Cemetery, they often can't track that person. And that cannot go on. He said, we need to fix it. I said, well, (laughs) how long can I have to put together a team? He said, I'll give you 48 hours. So within, by 36 hours, we had a group of 38 of our member companies who said, we will on a pro bono for free basis, go in there and take a look at the entire business processes of Arlington National Cemetery. And we will bring it up to a state of the art facility. 
That sounds like an incredible endeavor. And the fact that you were able to pull together a team of 38 companies in 36 hours is absolutely, I mean, you are very talented. <laughs> they are a really, really good council and a great board and they really stepped up. That's, wow, that's really amazing and how much of a community it was. What is something you believe all people aspiring to be successful should know? Well, I think as long as you're prepared, there really is nothing you cannot do if you put your mind to it, if you put your heart, you put your whole total effort into it. Uh, there really is not. I mean, I, I'm not talking about finding a cure for cancer, but even that, if, if, if people continue to work for as many years as they have and will continue to eventually be able to do that as well. But that's and not any one person can do with their his or her own time span. But in general, if you're prepared, there's nothing you can not do if you put your mind, your heart, and your total into it. Mm-hmm, definitely. How would you advise young women aspiring to be excuse me? How would you advise young women aspiring to be like yourself or even anyone aspiring to achieve success? Be true to yourself. And so, so be true to yourself, seek out mentors, and I would seek out both female and male men, seek out one, you know, one gender. Um, and today there are so many women who are more than happy to and view it as part of their role to really support young women coming up, that there are mentors around for everyone. If you, you need to also actively pursue opportunities and I cannot tell you how many people who said, you can't do that. But I said, yes, I can. Uh, so I think even if people tell you, no, you can't do it, don't take that for an answer. The answer is yes, you can. Definitely, definitely. What made you the CEO or the president's advisor rather than just an employee? Well, I think number one, all good CEOs are also employees of their organizations. So I was a CEO because <clears throat> there was a search firm and went out and it selected me to be so. But I learned how to lead as the CEO through learning from my employees. I, you know, I often like to say when somebody came to me with an idea, I looked at him and I said, you know, I think you can do that. I'm going to step out of the way and let you run for it. Go ahead. Give it a shot. Yeah, totally. Being a servant leader is really important, and I completely agree with that. You're such a great role model for many women, especially in that story you tell in which the receptionist didn't believe that you were actually an advisor to the president and you eventually had to work your way up, and now you're a female role model. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. I hope you're inspired by today's powerful conversation. Before you go, please make sure to share this with a friend, subscribe, and write a review. Follow us on Instagram at the She Succeeds Podcast. All music is from Lore on SoundCloud. Tune in for the next episode coming soon. Thank you.